I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, a podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm an idiot. And that's why we're here, to learn. Hooray! Or to just listen to me and how dumb I am. Who cares? You're here. We're here. Yes. If you're new to the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes. It helps. Oh, my God, you guys. You helped me give over 100 reviews. And that was my goal by the end of 2017, over 100 reviews. We did it. You guys are the fucking best. I love you so much. And the reviews really made me happy. They made me smile. They were really sweet. Some of them were really funny. Uh, and, uh, and you know, keep them coming if, if you haven't reviewed because uh, mama, mama likey complimenty. Uh, also, it just helps other people find the podcast. And then we can all learn together or all laugh at me together. Who knows? Um, it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to try to put this out today maybe it'll be new year's by the time it's out depending on how slow my fucking computer is but this is a very special new year's episode it's a very barren new year uh because my guest is baron vaughn he's fucking great uh he's from everything and uh, not everything i don't know he's great he's an amazing comedian he's one of my favorite stand-up comedians to watch and he is on grace and frankie the new show corporate on comedy central uh the new mst3k he's got a new show coming out on comedy central which he talks about and um yeah he's just great him and i have had a friendship that basically has existed over the internet and text message but we have these like great conversations and we've been trying to hang out and then i was like dude fucking do my podcast and he did and here we are it's not a usually i have a specific topic and i've got some good ones coming down the pipeline Uh, i've got a social media strategist i've got uh someone talking about being an LA native and uh, how to make a TV show and uh, lots of cool stuff coming for you this month. But uh, this one we just talked. I was like, it's New Year's. Let's get to know Baron and talk stuff. But he's uh, he's got a great mind and, and we just had interesting conversa- conversations, conversations, conversations about uh, life and love, relationships. We talk about polyamory a little because as a theory, we talk about being empaths and children of uh, addicts and how that changes your perception and how you learn to like adjust and just kind of human growth and uh and comedy stuff we talk about like comedy goal things and and he's a new daddy we talk about that he's got the cutest baby just my god uh it's really fun it's a great conversation we have some laughs but there's also some deep insight i think you'll like it uh yeah so give it a listen let me know what you think uh and uh and enjoy. And real quick, uh, January shows, I'll be at Levity Live in Oxnard. I'm headlining that the second Tuesday, 8 p.m. Uh, Hollywood Improv, 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday the 3rd. I will be in Reno all weekend, the 11th through the 14th, but I am headlining the Pioneer Underground uh, Thursday the 11th at 8 p.m. So that's the one I'm, I'm pushing on you so you can see my full headlining set. And uh, if you're a San Francisco baby... San Francisco idiot, whatever. I will be at Sketchfest the 20th and the 21st. Check out my website for details, jmscomedy.com. And uh, and Hawaii, I'm going to be Honolulu. Oh, fuck, Honolulu. Yeah, I got to not eat until then uh, or whatever. Do some crunches. The 24th, 
uh, of January, I am at Anna O'Brien's. So 8 p.m. Come to that. And then then I'm off to the East Coast for February and March. Going to do some New York shit. So uh, get ready, New York. And uh, get ready, listeners, uh, for this episode with Baron Vaughn. Here you go. Yeah, we are the renegades, you know? We're on. You guys, I'm here with Baron Vaughn, the most amazing Baron Vaughn. Oh, geez. Uh, I am the most amazing Baron Vaughn. The only Baron Vaughn. For any other (laughs) names, I am the least amazing. (laughs) No, maybe. I don't know. There's like Baron Vaughn, you know, whatever's. That's it. You're it. You had to think about an example, so there's nothing else. Baron Vaughn booty shake. Baron Vaughn. You know, when I was... That could be a drag queen. When I was a kid, that could could be. Um, I was... Because my name kind of has this has this incomplete rhythm to it. Is that your real name? It's my real name. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thanks. I think. I mean, it's, you're like whatever. It's just my name. Well, see, you have a you have a three name name. It's because I'm white trash. <laughs> or you're a black man on Broadway. It seems like every. I every, I mean, on the inside for sure. Every black man on Broadway has three names right now. Oh my god. Uh, it used to be that way at least. So Baron <laughs> Vaughn is like. You know, people always ask me what's next, I guess. And that's that, that's why it's an incomplete rhythm. It's just people, Baron Von what? Because they wanted to be like, Von Tra- I'm a Von Trapp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or um, or if you were in middle school and you wanted to make fun of me, Wrinkle Dick, that was a big one. Wrinkle Dick. Baron wait, Von Wrinkle Dick. Wait, why? What happened? Not, literally nothing. Just wasn't like the locker was, room and you had a wrinkly dick? Uh, it was that the first violin in orchestra was scared I was coming for his seat. That's what Oh, it, and that's, it was, how, that's <laughs> such a petty... It was, yeah. Also being bullied by... First chair violin. That's like you got to take power where you find the ways to take it. That's, I mean, that is like elite bullying. <laughs> it's just like pretentious who bullying. Who else could he make fun of? Like Baron von Ring. You're an orchestra. You play the violin. The only other person that you're above is whoever is next to you. So you were second chair violin. I got to second chair. I think is the highest I got. You know? Oh, so you were like, like sixth grade. Were you climbing? Like you started started from the bottom. Now we here. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it was it was a thing where you get better and you literally challenged someone for their seat. It was like that's crazy. You'd say like I want to challenge the first violin, and then it would be a thing in class where you had to play a piece of same piece of music, and whoever played it the best wins. Wow, it's like 14th century survivor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only a little bit, except it was a middle school in inner city Las Vegas. Inner city, La- is that where you're mm-hmm. from? Mm-hmm. You grew up in Vegas. Yeah. Did you, you did you guys get into like? Charlie Daniels, Devil Goes Down to huh. Georgia, Fiddloffs. Um, <laughs> I wish it would have been a lot more interesting. Um, no, Vegas is. A, oh, yeah. yeah, you hate I, it. I only recently realized that I've always hated Vegas. Only recently. Yeah, because you know everybody kind of. Where are you from? I grew up well sixth grade through high school. I was in Anchorage, Alaska, so that's where I say. But before oh, right. that, Southern Mississippi, and I was born in Germany. And what do you think about any of those places? Uh, I mean... Do you have people you like there? I have a small handful of people I love in Mm -hmm. Anchorage, but I would never fucking live there. Well, Alaska's gorgeous, right? It's beautiful. I don't know anything about... I haven't been there. Alaska is gorgeous. Anchorage is like... If you looked out into a gorgeous, gorgeous wilderness and then there was like a trash can on fire, that's Anchorage. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's my city. Making nature prettier. It's just kind of trashy, rednecky. And I'm not... I was that and I thankfully feel like i've if there's anything wrong with well, do you have a love for it though like is there a part no, of you i don't have that like, hometown i'm not like 907 yeah. i'm just like why are you guys still here that's that's kind of how i feel about vegas and that's what i realized because I, I guess i have a lot of people around me that while they might hate where they're from 
there's still some sort of love for the place I wish like I did. culture or something there. It feels like identity for people. And I don't feel like I have a good solid identity. Like well, I don't want to be attached to a I place. I think that people can go that way. I, I don't even necessarily mean like people who are like, that's their whole thing. Yeah. But that they still, there's still like a piece of. A little fondness. That, yeah. A little they fondness. Miss it. Even that little fondness of like, well, you know, it, that's the house I grew up in or. Well, you know, I know where to go for this and that and this. That's and, true. And I that. don't need a map there. Yeah, you don't but, need a map or GPS. Who's you, using maps? You know the spot. Yeah, well, you. you. Got, yeah, I know. I have maps on my wall. I'm like, who even uses maps? That's I look, right. I look like I can't let go of the maps path. and and certain spaces, certain cities. You have drawn smiley faces, and some are <laughs> frowning faces, and just knives. <laughs> uh, and then there's yeah, there's just all this twine kind of reconnecting, and you've written the word master plan above it all. Yeah, I so I will. Uh, I can't disclose at this time, but. The world will soon know. Oh, oh, all right. Look out, Omaha. Watch out, <laughs> Omaha. Only Nebraska. I'm coming for you. Well, I guess what to end the whole point of what I was saying, I guess it's just that like um, I've heard so many people who hate where they're from but still like it in a little. Yeah, they're like, I'm allowed to hate it, but like, don't you. And I just have always never liked, I just realized I'd, I've never had that feeling for, there's no nostalgia about Las Vegas. When I think about it, I think it's too hot. Yeah, <laughs> I feel the opposite. But the same about, yeah, about, Anchorage. about Anchorage. Like, fuck the weather. I mean, I love my friends there, but... Ugh. Same. I mean, I like my friends there. Yeah. But I don't like what Vegas is turning them into or yeah. forcing them to have to be. Yes. Because they're, they've reached the end of their... They've peaked. Their, their, te- their tether there. Yeah, it's like there's only so much you can do before you're just a regular at a bar. And I have a friend who's one of my closest friends, and she's like you know, uh, painfully single. And I, I mean that in the sense that I think there's a good way to be single. Yeah. Oh, I but, know. <laughs> but if you're constantly talking about being single, it means that you don't want to be single. Yeah. They're like, I'm just like single. I just like so single. And just I single. I don't know where to find anyone. I'm like, if you leave, know, go outside Vegas. Yeah. Right. I it's guarantee like guarantee you'll meet someone of like a quality person that you're you like, like literally anyone, but this fucking city. It, and that's anyone, kind of anywhere. how I feel about Vegas. I, yeah, guess. I can't imagine thinking you're going to meet, the love of your life in Vegas. People do, though. I know. People do. And they're bad people. <laughs> <laughs> Those words, people don't deserve love. I'm your words, kidding. not mine. I they agree, deserve... but not mine. You know what? If you're a person who finds love in Vegas, thank God, you probably wouldn't have found it anywhere else. You needed that. If you can find it in a building that uh, doesn't want you to know what time it is outside, therefore it has no windows. Oh, it's so weird. And you can find uh, love in that. More power to you. That's You're a... A strong and unique individual, and you deserve happiness. Hey, there you go. But also stay away from me and my and, family. And <laughs> stay away from the nickel slots. Yeah. It's a uh, trap. No, that's a penny slot person, for sure. <laughs> I know a penny slaughter when I see them. Oh, a penny slaughter, yeah. That's my family. Great. We're like, we're penny slaughters. Oh, really? Oh, I have, okay, I have a set of twin aunts. Whoa. Who never got married. They live together. They are absolute angels. I want to be clear. Are they from The Simpsons? That's what, When I was little, I thought my life was The Simpsons. I had a fat, huh. dumb dad, and my mom was like a... Was she has a raspy voice and big hair? I had a brother who was a troublemaker. I was really smart, and I just thought Maggie was coming any day now. Oh, I oh, literally because well, I saw it when I was little, and I was like, "Is this my life?" Hmm. And then I kind of there's a part of me who th- I think I thought everyone had the same set of family. I thought that's just how a family. Oh, you was. mean that was like you thought that was what a family? Like, like everyone has a set of twin aunts. That was the equation. Yeah, and now like growing huh. up, people are like you just have these twin aunts that are like best friends and never got married, and people think that's weird. And I'm like, oh, it's always just been so normal to me. They're huh. the most normal part of my family. Oh, 
anyways are they super balanced or something yeah but they love their penny slots but they're they save up their money and like twice a year they take their trip to vegas oh wow and they're like we, we hang out in the penny slots we get our free drinks we go to the buffet penny and i'm just slots. it's amazing it's a whole it's a thing pretty incredible penny slots is for people who genuinely enjoy the act of gambling yeah and you don't want to lose money yeah they're not like crazy like high roller or just get on heaters they're just like i like the dinging of of winning a bonus <laughs> yeah i guess i could respect it i mean my my um my grandmother gambled but she knew how to stop yeah that's so my she aunt would, she would like, be like mother. i'm gonna gamble twenty dollars and if i lose i can do without this twenty dollars i'm done my yeah next paycheck sort of and my stepfather was like well there goes the rent so yeah that that's was, my mom hey my aunts are like we we did our money we go no yeah my mother's like don't get her on a heater yeah oh lord you get addicted you get addicted my, yeah, she gets addicted to anything. A, a gambling addiction Addictive is just... personality? Yeah, for mm. sure. But she also is the kind of person that's just like, instead of trying to take charge and control her addictive personality, she's the person who's like, well, I just have an addictive personality. That's how it is. And it's like, okay, well... <laughs> that gives herself the permission for it. Yeah, it's like, this is yeah. just who I am. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to change you. That is a weird... I always hated that um, <laughs> that thing where people kind of... They can call out what their damage is. But instead of trying to fix it, they just... They just say it to set you up to let you know like look i can be an asshole and they're like then they're an asshole they're like i told you yeah and you're like i fucking hate you yeah why didn't you try not being an asshole well you can't you know change what's inside it's built in and (laughs) you can't wash off what's inside (laughs) sorry uh the best and worst yeah okay vegas wow uh how long did you live there um well i moved there when i was in third grade where'd you move from new mexico Ooh, New Mexico is pretty. I feel like it's very pretty. It get it doesn't get enough credit. It doesn't. I mean, it's people one just of the think few Albuquerque. S- yeah, well, Albuquerque is not the most beautiful city, although it's, it's on the come up. Yeah, there's some like interesting stuff happening in Albuquerque. Yeah, Santa Fe is like historically beautiful. <sighs> Have you been there? I haven't yet. Oh, you'll love. I've just it. driven through like bumfuck New Mexico. <laughs> I'm like, this That's is really where nice. I was born. That's bumfuck. where I was born. Bumfuck. Uh, With bum- a Q-U-E yeah. at the end. Yeah. Bumfucky. I was born in a little town called Portales. Portales. Um, which I want to say today has a population of 11,000, so it was probably smaller in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then I was moved or raised in an even smaller town in the 80s with a population of 5,000. Wow. Called Tucumcari. Tucumcari. Yeah. Oh, small and town I life. Moved from there to Las Vegas, Nevada, when I was like in third grade. Was that a culture shock? Hell yeah! <laughs> I mean, it was like, a city. You're like, dear God. Oh, it was just a completely different. First of all, both of those are the desert, but Vegas is like stupid hot. Fuck! And then the summertime when it's dry and it feels like your boogers are just gonna catch on fire. That's what is it that always feels like. It's yeah, 125 degrees. And you're like, who chooses this? It's it's the worst. Who and was like, let's put a city Phoenix here. is hotter. That's the only place. Yeah, I don't I know why anyone would live in Phoenix. <laughs> like, yeah. So if you're a listener in Phoenix, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, right inside. At why you live there at what the hell mail. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder what the fuck is going on. Exactly. Oh man. Okay. So Vegas. Did you? Uh, you're like doing such cool stuff with your career. You know what's really interesting is that we've. This is the first time we've ever met. I know. Well, you we've, know what? We've talked. We met very briefly. When did we meet? Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Oh, really? We Very briefly on a street. And you were, I don't know, it, it was in passing and you were with someone else. And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And it, you know how it is, comedy festivals. Yeah. I just remember because I was like, oh, Baron Vaughn's so cool. <laughs> I don't even know 
know if I told you my name. I just like, hey, nice to meet you. So technically, well, maybe we didn't. And I became aware of you because of your Twitter. Oh. And seeing hopefully not the in a negative that way. You write that are very funny. Oh and, my God. and you're close with people that I'm close with. I know. So we you, haven't hung out. We no. talk a lot though. I we think have, a decent we have texted, amount. Texted. Yeah. We have good. You're. It's always good conversations. With oh, you. is it? Like I'm like I want to hang out with you all the time. <laughs> It's impossible. Yeah, I know. It's like you're the only person you get to hang out with all the time. I know, and what a horrible person to have to hang out with all the time. It's like shut up. Huh? <laughs> I never stop talking. Um, no, you're just someone who's like it, you're easy to talk to about like real shit. Well, that's that's where I try to that's where I try to live in the real shit place. Yeah, well, it's hard because it, it's. Um, I guess I kind of think I try to think about shit in a way that I. It's my own obsession with being original. Yeah. Which doesn't help me connect with people all the time. Because it's like, sometimes it's like people want to relate to you. Exactly. And I'm always trying to look for the thing that nobody's thinking or nobody said. No one has thought and no one has said. Yeah. Which is, because I guess that's my challenge for myself in in comedy is to not sound or be like anybody else. Anybody else. else. I respect that. The problem with that is that I'm unrecognizable. I wonder if it makes me unrecognizable to people. Oh, you think like you think that you don't have like a distinct voice in comedy? Well, it's just it's hard to put it's hard to box. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's no. hard to be like, oh, I know what this is. You're this and this and this. Because there's something about, you know, labeling something, defining something, it makes it easier for people to digest. Oh my God, you're like speaking my language. But I think this is this is where the it's the unholy union of business and in and creativity. Yeah. So it's like marketing demands that you have a clear thing that you a are brand. a brand right oh, yes but when you're trying to i guess be an artist and, right well and continue to grow and continue to grow you don't want to because i look there's a bunch of comedians that i started out with that um some of them are like big celebrities now yeah and have fit themselves into a brand that i think has prevented them from getting any better as a comedian it's like comedians. you have your thing yeah. it doesn't necessarily hurt the career aspect because people that's the thing is i feel like the industry when they know what you are they will just beat that to death yes they i will. live in fear of that i don't know how to oh, describe really? myself and like the idea of someone being able to be like you're the this and this comedian is like well especially ah. here, especially here in los angeles yeah because look it's 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 an insane thing to be next to somebody or many bodies yeah who have no problem paying their rent yeah and to be like well why can't I pay my rent? But then what happens is, um, <laughs> you know, I have, I mean, I have a lot of theories about this. There's a lot of these things are, th- are theoretical, right? I'm into it. Theory so, me. There's like a weird part where I feel like, cause some of these people who are easily definable, right? Yeah. They get picked and I'm not going to name names. I'll name names. Maybe, um, where <laughs> I'll just say that there are some people who have done multiple specials, yes. multiple hour long specials. Mm hmm. And they really have 20 minutes of material. Yes. And they keep regurgitating the same thing. Because they're on brand. Over and over. And it's terrible. And I wonder if... You know what, though? What? I think some of those people, too... uh, This is a problem I think about someone getting recognized too early. This is exactly what I was going to go towards. Now... If enough of the industry feeds someone like, you're great, you're great, those people think that what they're doing is so great, mm-hmm. and they, it's also a disservice to them because they stop evolving because like yes. this is what the people want. Yes. And it's like, you're, this is terrible now. It was, it was fine the first time, but like you're not, well, you're doing material that you, is 10 years, I don't know, whatever. Well, and I wonder if I go, well, what is it that they 
decided not to continue that stopped their growth, right? Yeah, it's like, did they... Here's what my theory. Okay. When you get picked a little early, right? I want in, yeah. Um, I think the thing is that, like, you know, when you're kind of young, you don't know the difference between your friends and your enemies in some sort of way. Oh, yeah, especially I feel like in this city. Especially in this city. So I think, I wonder if a lot of people who get all of the smoke blown up their ass start to cut out the group of people that would question be- them. Yeah. Start to cut out the group who would be like, because look, I have friends For the better. we've gotten into fights, Yeah, but now we've known each other for so long that I know that what it really is is they got my back. Yeah. Like if I say something stupid or fucked up, they're going to be like, uh, what you said was stupid and fucked up. And I'm not going to be like, no, fuck, fuck you, you. Son, get off me. You're and out of my life. It'll be like, oh, what what did I do? And it helps me right? grow. Yeah, right. Because right? it's like if I'm putting out a special, I want a room full of people to watch it before I put it out that will go, fuck no, not that, no. Like I want well, someone to you get that before, yeah, before you, you even do the damn no, special. It's like I want them all watching my sets and like I want someone to be like, absolutely not. That's fucking terrible. You know what? That's what I hear about like certain people who are because I wonder like with people like Chappelle, for instance, or Chris Rock, um, who if anyone's willing to. Well, they seem to continue to grow. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what I hear Chris Rock does is that he he doesn't have comedians write his act, but what he'll do is he'll recreate essentially the back room. Ah. He'll have a group of comedians that he likes and respects watch his sets and then give him notes. Just thoughts, notes. Exactly. Yeah. Like how we do to each other. Like, That's hey, what you know I would want to do. You should say this. Like we give each other tags or ideas or angles. And I don't think I've ever, it's probably two, two or three times or uh, two or three times. I'm being a little <laughs> ridiculous. But there's been a <laughs> couple of times where someone gives me a tag and I use the exact tag. Yeah. Most of the time he will give me a tag and it just makes me rethink my own bit. The way you do it, yeah. And I'll be like, well, how am I going to do that in my voice? And, yeah. Or is that an angle I even want to go to? But it makes me think about think, it. And then maybe you come up with something completely different just from going down that And that's pattern. what I hear that Chris does. I love that. Am I like, I wish I had a small group of friends that we could get together regularly and do like a running bits. It's hard though. You know what? You have it's, to have the right. <laughs> you, you do because sometimes it's like, because I, I give people like notes on scripts or yeah. or their act even if they ask yeah but i rarely tell somebody what i think they should say yeah or like an exact sentence yeah i'll always be like this is an idea that you could throw in there somehow most of my notes are probably actually not that helpful because i'll be like i feel like you could do something with like the idea of this and it's never a tag well you know um oh you have the same uh, air purifier Oh yeah, I, I had it on before, but I turned it off so it wouldn't be. Purif- we got to purify this air. Yeah, I like this room gets weirdly dusty. Does it? Yeah, like my sometimes the corner of my comforter will be like just covered in dust. Oh, I'm uh, recording in my bedroom, you guys. I'm very <laughs> professional. <laughs> the cat's out the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, what the heck were we just talking about? Um, people getting notes. Oh yeah. Okay, so I heard this um quote. It was like a great writer. I forget who it was. <laughs> Um, some novelist that is like, if I said it, the name, everybody would know who that is. But I forget, Probably Michael Crichton. I forget where it was. Michael Crichton. <laughs> uh, the writer of uh, not only Jurassic Park, but Disclosure. And was he Congo too? Oh my God, you're right. He did write Congo. And ER. Ah. ER, I think, was he was his show. His big thing. Yeah. Um, what a guy. It wasn't Michael Crichton. <laughs> I forget who it was. Daniel uh, Steele. It, it doesn't somebody matter. Like, uh, it was somebody like Kerouac or Jack London or yeah, somebody, okay. right? And um, the advice was, if if somebody reads your writing and doesn't know exactly what it is, but feels something is off, 
yeah, or feel something is missing, or there's somewhere else to go, but they can't explain what it is, they are almost always correct. Wow. But if someone knows exactly what it is and knows exactly what it is you should do to fix they're it. They're a psychopath. They're almost always incorrect. Yeah. People with like real certain, you got to say this. You got to say this. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I love getting a tag from someone who's like, I would never. Absolutely not. Well, because they're writing for their, their own voice. voice. That's the thing is, and some people are great at writing in their own voice. And mm-hmm. it's a different skill to be able to be like, hey, here's a thing you could use. Yeah, because I wouldn't give you a note. Unless I felt like I had seen you enough. Yeah. That I mean, like, I this see fits who you are. Yeah. That I've seen what you do and I see what you're putting out there. And then yeah. I, if you do something that I feel like is like, oh, you know, that thing that you say, because I see that you, you examine things in this way. Yeah. You could probably go that way with it. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because some people give you a thing and you're like, well, that's funny. But like that doesn't make. I've come up with my own jokes where I'm like, this will never work in my stand up. But like. Did you ever see, what was it? Um, I Am Comic. Wait, is that. That documentary about like just being like a comic. That's not the one. No, I'm thinking of comedian Jerry Seinfeld. Oh yeah, yeah, comedian. No, I haven't seen I Am Comic. I I'm am the comic, worst. Um, you know, I saw it uh, actually the first Bridgetown that I went to. They did oh, a screening wow. of it. Um, and um, there was this one part where Sarah Silverman was talking about a joke that she had that another comic gave her. And so the other comic was this woman, Claudia Leno. I don't know oh. if it's Low now or Leno, but she created a TV show called Accidentally on Purpose, I think was the name I of it. I feel like I've heard of it. And she had this or joke. Or an Instagram account or something. I, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be a good Instagram account. She had this joke where she wrote it and she's like, you know, this isn't me. This isn't my style. Yeah. And she literally gave it to Sarah Silverman. She was like, I think this is, you can make this work. And did and they she? had that, yeah. I love that. It's like one of her most famous jokes. Uh, I think it's like I was licking peanut butter off my boyfriend's penis the other day and I thought, oh my God, I'm becoming my mother. Oh my God. That's the I joke. I love that. It's like... To go like, I can't do this at what? all, but this is fun. Do you want it? Yeah, this is yours. I've had comics be I, like, oh, I thought of something that isn't me, but do you want it? And I'll be like, yeah or no. because Yeah, I've done that a couple are. times. Sometimes when I see someone do a tag I gave them, it's like this. I feel like a little league coach like watching one of my players like knock it out of the park i watched like i gave my ex a tag and he did it and he ended up i think being the set he did for like when he did new faces Your or something but like i have i have several comic exes of course you do so do i it's a whole thing you know like yeah. it's i'm in theory i'm trying to not do that anymore but in reality who i remember knows where somebody the telling me um i don't date anyone that has a headshot and I it's said, like, get the fuck. Well, good by luck. that Die standard, alone. <laughs> you wouldn't fit your own description. Yeah. And she was like, exactly. Then walked away. I'm like, what? I don't know. I wouldn't date myself. I wouldn't like, date myself. Like, well, you're insane. Yeah. It's just a small world. You it's know? a small world, but also like you're funny. And you connect with funny people. And you connect with funny people. And you, it's like everyone wants to date someone who like, they don't have to be funnier than you, but can like keep up with your sense of humor. Yes, and that or that gets you. Yeah, and gets what you are doing. And I, I can't speak to this. Maybe you can. Yeah, maybe. Because in my, my experience, what I have observed for women who are comedians, there are a lot of men out there who are not comedians who believe that they are funny. That they are funnier than you. Oh, not just funny. It's a nightmare. But funnier than you. Oh, right. Yeah. No. 2012 was the last time I tried like. I genuinely was like, I'm going to try this online dating thing, mm. you know? And I went on a couple of dates. Yeah, sure enough, anytime someone finds that you're a comedian, you can see them turn it up. I went on a date with this guy who on paper was like, what a catch. And mm. he wanted to see me again. He's like super hot, like 
hot in the not even in my type but not i don't think i have a type but in the like classic like all american good looking uh, ken dolly type of like huh. he was like a, a lawyer very nice so unfunny and mm. so trying to be funny and thought he was hilarious and i was like kill me well that's the other thing is give me the that fuck out of here and you have to take time off from con- like i took a night off for this oh you mean to fuck like- you <laughs> I'm now. I'm not to go on the date to go fucking it's grab like, a drink. I've been tightening up this tent. Yeah, I'm a workaholic, and I'm, I'm out here with fucking uh, bozo. That's funny. Uh, I had to take a night off from comedy for you. Yeah, do you understand that I had to I say stop my no dream. to my first love yeah. to come hang out with yo Boeing? You son of a bitch. Um, that's <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, I, I mean, because also the other thing is that I wonder if the other thing I could tell I could say this as a comic myself. Yeah, just that. Sometimes you're not on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you aren't thinking of jokes and you're just kind of hanging Existing. out. Existing. And so somebody needs to be able to meet you there yeah. as well as get to your comedy. It's like you need to understand that I'm like not on all the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not your source of entertainment. Well, it's because a lot of people also, they don't understand. This is such a mystifying it's such a mystifying industry or, or art form yeah. or career paths. And it, it's, you know, we're a culture that's obsessed with fame. Yeah. So it's like, like when I told people I was an actor, people think I'm saying I'm trying to be famous. Uh, it's not the same. No. It's, and the, fa- the, and the people who are trying to be famous. Good for them. I don't, I don't crave it. I like worry. Are we about, the only country that like really likes fame for the sake of fame? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Because I don't really know how it goes in other countries. I feel like other people in other countries who are famous like somehow earned it or got there. Yeah, and it's like a respectable... But I could just be And sometimes people up. are just super pretty. And they're yeah. like, like, excuse me, you're pretty. Be imagine, in all these movies. Yeah, imagine being like so hot that it's considered a talent. <laughs> <laughs> like, They're just like, who cares? Isn't that what it is to be a model? Yeah, is that you're so pretty that it, it people are like... You're talented. It's got to be mind fucky though. I yeah. know some people who used to be models, and I can't imagine because look, we're already so bent up about our physical appearances anyway, right? But if you are li- literally your job is your physical appearance, the and anxiety around you it has total permission to be like, you need to lose this much just to your face. Can all the you time. imagine? No, that's like it's like people already feel like shit, and then for that to be your source of income, the fucking pressure. Thank God none of what I do requires me to be hot. Although sometimes <laughs> I really like I'll see a picture of myself on stage and I really have to be like, it's not about how you look. It is not. You are not there to be pretty. I have to like remind myself like it's okay to to be ugly. How do you feel when you listen to your own podcast or your own act? My, oh. When you hear your own voice. I hate my voice. Oh, come on. It's hard. Like, I don't know how people make porns. You gotta find that self-love. I mean... Thanks, Michael McDonald. <laughs> it's actually getting better. I'm able to, like, listen to it enough to, like, oh, let me go. I, I have so many recorded sets I never went back and listened to just because mm-hmm. I went through the act of, I'm supposed to record, and I'd start, and I'd be like, Ugh. Yeah, I, I have the same sort of problem. I What I started doing is... I used to save the set like where it was and the date. Yeah. And that didn't serve me. So now I just write, listen. Yeah. If it's a good one, I'm like, this has good riffs. Listen. Yeah, exactly. And I'll delete everything else. I should. But it's, I've gotten to the point where, number one, the first thing I see is it's always better than I remember it being on stage. Yes. And like you can hear the audience too. And you're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, 
they did laugh right there. They oh. were laughing. I was just oh. panicking. And then I think of other things I could say. I think yeah. of, I think of new tags and new angles and it's super helpful. It's like it's but for helpful so long, or something. It's like, oh, the thing that everyone said you're supposed to do that's really helpful <laughs> is actually helpful. They weren't lying. Weird. I like neglected so many sets and listening. I now think I don't know when I'll ever take the time to do this, but I have this idea of going back through old, old sets and just taking little chunks that were funny that I never worked out and doing like mm. a B-sides album. <laughs> like, and just mm. be like, this is shit that never became a bit. And but, like, th- but you work on them, they'll become A-sides. That's the thing is like, maybe I'll just collect them. Do you have ideas? How long have you been doing stand-up? Um, I'm like eight, I'm coming on eight years. Do you have ideas from like two, three years in that were bigger than your skill set that sometimes For you go sure. by, you go back and you're like, oh, I can make that funny now. Yeah. Mm. I'm working on, I just actually like re-riffed, re-riffed, but I said a line that when I, I think I came up with it a few years ago and it was just a line. And the other day I riffed it and I added a tag and then on stage I just had this moment of like, oh my God, this is a fucking gold mine. <laughs> and I was like, yes. So I'm excited for that. Because you work out. You're like, I'm a, you're out I there. have a problem. Like I am a workaholic. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not a problem. I love it, but for sure, I mean, workaholism is a real problem. It is. Are you it's avoiding a... all of your problems with work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you substituting work for anything else? For everything? For else? sex addiction and mm. for tr- to try to stop eating sugar. It's just you got to cram another vice in there. Jeez, you know, crazy. Yeah. Those are my things: Great food channel. and Great sex. Channel. And so now I'm like, I'll just do comedy more. Mm. Well, it's um, you're afraid uh, in some sort of way, right? Yeah, but I'm getting better. I'm doing a lot of. I mean that you're motivated by fear. Are you motivated by fear? Yeah. You're afraid of partaking in these other vices. So you're like, all right, do this one. Instead. I mean, I don't think either of those vices have ever been to the point. Well, th- that's the thing. It's one of those things where I'm like, this is a vice. And it's like, no, you're a woman and you had a little bit of sugar and you're judging yourself too much is the reality. But um, but I could see at a certain point in my life, sex having been a thing that went off the handle. Okay. Um, But now... Who knows? I think I think I'm under control. I think I just have to have. I'm afraid of my own thoughts, so I'm like, let me. Well, I mean, this. But then I'm like, let me delve into my thoughts. The self judgment thing is the thing. It's it's a vicious because you like beat yourself up about making mistakes, quote unquote. Yeah, mistakes, doing the wrong thing or whatever. Yeah, constantly questioning like, is this okay? Is that okay? And it's like, shut that voice up. That shit. I'm getting better for, but. I mean, I can't tell you what to do because I do the same thing. I'm just saying it sucks. It does. To have this thing like in your head that's just like, no, you're bullshit. What you said was bullshit and you're bullshit. It's not good enough and no one believes you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It's 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 stressful. Yeah, but it, it drives me, you know? <laughs> Insane, that is. Off yeah, the cliff, that for is. sure. Yeah, no, I do like go crazy with comedy, but also like a lot of people who are in stand-up and in comedy want multiple things, mm-hmm. and all I care about is stand-up. Like, I just, it sounds so corny, and like, I, f- I feel like I'm at a point where some of my peers or some of my friends, I've had conversations where I get the feeling they don't believe me, and they think that I'm saying this as like a, because nothing else big has happened. <laughs> like... Because well, like, why don't you do, why don't you try to get into a movie? And I'm again, like, oh yeah, I'll just show up. It's this. Well, aren't you supposed to be famous? Aren't yeah, you like trying to be famous? As people big expect as you could possibly me to be? want to be, you know, fucking whoever. I don't know. Who Someone huge. Lady Gaga, but for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga, but for comedy. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that there is no? Um, I guess I mean, who are the top? female comedians amy schumer shooms that's what if you were just ask like an, a normal person mm-hmm. i'm trying to think who they'd name 
Schumer is one of the people I feel like has gone backwards in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Oh, well, I, it's, I think, know her from back in the day. I think it's one of those, it comes back to that like getting pigeonholed brand kind of thing. Absolutely. Where it's like, I almost, I've said this before, but like, I kind of feel bad for her because I think it was a thing where she now feels like that's who she has to be. Well, especially because it's like keeping up with the pace of needing to do all of these specials. Yeah. But I look at it like, or I think it's her representation. Like these people are making so much money off of her. They're like, do this, do that. They don't have any interest in her personal growth. No. They have interest in her making this money so they can make their money. And you're like, isn't there someone close enough to her to be like... Probably not. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think she's a person who like cut out a lot of people when she started to kind of hit. Yeah. Or she absorbed a lot of people into her orbit. That are not. Where she had to kind of keep them at where they were so she could stay where she was. Yeah. These are very, these are very inflammatory things I'm saying. Yeah. But it's kind Tweet of about like. about you guys. Hey. I need listeners. <laughs> there you go. I mean, like, I just think that she hasn't grown. grown. No. And that's like. And you see that with other people too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is, that is the opposite of what I want. Like Absolutely. I'm, I'm thankful to stay under the radar as long as possible out of fear <laughs> of becoming that. Just I, being like, here's another hour about my butthole. Well, hey, yeah. I mean, it's going to make you good. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, I want, like I put out an album a couple years ago and it's very like sex heavy and whatever. Cause that's who I am. I'm like a horny monster, but is it I, called Horny Monster? No, but now Ooh. I'm regretting that. Yeah. Um, I have thought about doing put a picture of you with something called Horny for Death. But like, yeah. Huh. I I'm hopeful that mm-hmm. the next the next thing I put out, or even like twenty years from now when I'm releasing whatever content, I hope that someone who's a fan of me then goes, Holy shit, have you heard her first album? And is it's just like it's so fucking different. Like that's just because I hope to keep growing. Oh, see, and that's that's I mean, I don't want to force it. It's funny because when I, I guess when I started, like, I feel like the problem now is that there's an oversaturation of comedy yeah. in, this, in the form of our specials. Yes. Um, I remember, who was I talking to? Oh, I was talking to Beth Stelling. So, you know, she did those half hour yeah, Netflix specials. Yeah, the Netflix thing. And she was saying, oh, you know, the reason they did this is because they saw that people weren't watching the, the full, full thing. hours. That's what I heard. So they're was, like, what can we capitalize on? Yeah, but... So they're like, oh, they're only watching the first 20 minutes, so maybe we should make half-hour specials. But here's the weird irony about this. Yeah. Those half-hour specials were better vetted yeah. than these hour specials. But yeah, because it seemed like they went through a thing where they really threw shit at the wall. They Yes, and I feel like they they were more picky or or just listened to more sets and watched more comics and narrowed it down to who do we want to do half hour specials for yeah and they did they had a better selection process for that than these hours i agree because it seems like they threw shit at the wall which maybe even tarnished a little bit the branding of netflix hour specials because people are like "Eh, it's not like they're if they're not being that picky people are like whatever i'm not just gonna randomly watch a netflix special and then at the same time people like Chappelle or rock or ellen yeah or seinfeld are making 20 million dollars per special is that how much like Chappelle made 80 million dollars this year i cannot imagine yeah like to be told like give us 20 million dollars of material but only in an hour like the pressure it's i mean but that comes back to another thing about this um and look, those people that I just named, all four of those people I respect and admire, and they're he- personal heroes. Yes. I However, want to know who your heroes are. Yeah. This hero worship. 
yeah. of this older generation of comedian. That they're gods. It's like they're humans. They're and and they're co- they're comedians just like us. You know exactly. But also it it they're taking up so much of the space. I guess for like new people to like rise. For new people to rise. You're right. We should kill them. The, I see <laughs> eighty billion. You know, like freaking billboards for Chappelle. Yeah. Christelle Alonso had a damn special on oh my Netflix. God. Nobody remembers. Nothing. It was Aww. her special came out around the same time as like Schumer's billboards up and down Los Angeles for Schumer. Well, I saw like two for Christelle Alonso. I am bewildered by, and it's not even to say anything negative about the people specifically, but it's so random to me who the industry decides to just really rally behind. Mm-hmm. And the, it, to me, it doesn't seem like. There's a rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say a lot. Some people who get rallied behind are incredibly talented, but mm-hmm. it's just like they just choose and are like, let's put put all of our eggs into this basket and, and shove this person down everyone's throat. And then there's a lot of comics that are trying to predict what it is that they, they need want to, do to they get ad- picked. Yeah. And then it's like, instead of being authentic, they're adjusting to be like, well, what does the industry want? Now I'm woke. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they're not working on their own material. Yeah, and all that mental energy to be like, how do I get picked? How do I get seen? Should be put on. How do I make mater- my material the best possible material? And it then be? it's like, and then inevitably, you will get. You seen. will make it. It may not be like this year today, but it's like you're going to build an authentic audience because it's like, do you want to reach a bunch of people who mm-hmm. uh, with an opinion that's not yours? Like, mm. well, I feel like because I feel like there's two two kinds of buzz. There's like the brand new young, we young we, hot you're, Hollywood. You're, yeah, young we hot Hollywood this buzz. person. And then there's the you've been doing comedy for thirty years, and we cannot believe that we just weren't paying attention. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here's all of the specials ever, Mark Maron, or yeah, whatever. It's you like, know, here's everything. So those are the two paths. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like the second one is the harder road. Yeah, when but especially when you're looking at your savings account. It's yeah. I wonder if that's like a more sustaining audience though. It or, is. Cause to me, I've always weirdly assumed that I was like, I think if I'm ever really big, I'm going to be one of those people that's like big when they're like 50 and people be like this lady, she's just been out here. Nothing wrong with that. Though. But no, but yeah, it's a longer, it's you'll a be, longer road. You'll be bulletproof. Yeah. I can name so many bulletproof comics that have been doing it that way. And it's like, you and put one of these famous people, if you will, yeah, uh, behind them, after them, yeah, in front of a real audience. Uh, it's not going to go pretty. No, it's all one of the like they're just like the new hot thing is like yeah. follow that <laughs> exactly. And God, uh, it's so cool to see those people too. Like even some, in, I mean, I guess it's a little daunting from a where is my career going mm-hmm. sort of standpoint. But every once in a while, you see someone who's like an older comic that like never made it, mm-hmm. really like they never really popped. And you're like, who's this guy? Like at the store, every once in a while, they've been bringing back these people that like hadn't been around for years. And now that Adam's back, he's like, every once in a while. Everybody from the 90s, everybody who stopped in 92 is like, Yeah, and I'm like, do these people even do comedy more? But there's this one guy named Brian Holtzman Mm -mm. who's old and like legitimately insane. Like he's a fucking Mm. psychopath. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, and uh, what was he doing? He was just literally insane. Eleanor, no, no, I mean, like, what was he doing before when he stopped stand up? I don't know, because I was like, he was never the store. I'd never heard of him before. I don't think he was doing the road. I don't know, but I'm like, how's he been writer. surviving? Maybe. And look, and look how many people there are that are like, 
They stopped doing comedy in the 90s and they're like, I guess I'll do comedy again because I've been writing for 20 years and it looks like my 20 year career as a writer is starting to dry up. It's just like, what am I doing? It's so crazy. Yeah, because it was a thing too where I I would like, I saw it and I was like, oh, we're just bringing back people who gave up. And then I saw him and I was like, dear God, this man Hmm. is is brilliant. But he's, another comic told me a story about how she, a long time ago, Eleanor Kerrigan, who is super funny. But years ago, like 20 years ago, she was dating some guy from like WME. <laughs> and she's like, you got to see this guy. He's so funny. He brought like the whole comedy department to watch Brian Holtzman. And then Holtzman was uh, on stage doing his act. And someone in the back started like heckling him. And he's like, who the fuck? And he like started a, a fight with whoever. He couldn't see anyone because he does like a full spotlight. It was Martin Lawrence. <laughs> and then... Wait, Martin Lawrence was, was like the in guy the. Who I was think heckling? it was Martin Lawrence. He like was in the back just talking shit or whatever. And Holtzman like was literally like got off the stage to like fight him. And then Martin Lawrence's bodyguard like knocked out Brian Holtzman. And all of Whoa. I think WME was there to see him. And they're like, "What the fuck is wrong <laughs> with this man?" So it's just like one of those people who's too crazy to have ever like. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I could be getting the person wrong, so you guys don't quote me on well, that. Well, I guess I'm thinking about the fact that like that sends a message to WME that what you can't behave. Yeah, they can't. Con- oh, we can't control this person. We can only profit off of people that we can we control. control. Yeah, which is probably a thing. That's the priority of the of the of representation. Well, it's like they need to be able to control you and put you in a box and like. I don't know. That shit scares me. Yeah, and I guess I've been thinking about branding in a new way, like in the sense of that. It's something that's separate than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what it is that I offer to the world or the universe or the audience. The universe. Uh, like yeah. the universe better. That's one thing. Yeah. But for my family and my friends and my relationships, it's another thing. It's another. It's like trying to separate that. But I have this obsession with it's being like very hard. wanting to be so authentic for my audience. It doesn't exist. Uh, See, don't tell thing. them if that you, he's lying no, no, no. If, you, <laughs> if you chase authenticity you can't find it well yeah exactly that's the weird thing about authenticity the moment you stop looking for it you're like oh it was here the entire time yeah it's like i think the, I'm... it's like the ruby red slippers yeah oh my god you have to right. go on this whole crazy journey to be like oh shit i i was just wearing these i was just here though i'm i think i'm becoming my like embracing my actual self mm-hmm. lately and it's probably terrifying for other people <laughs> And I'm just like, I'm just going to wear glitter and march around and yell and kick things. <laughs> and this is who I and really you think am. your authentic self. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not the kicking things. I want to hug things what more than anything. What about the chilling on your chilling on your bed, in hair a, drying in a towel uh, self? Well, the way there's so many selves, you know? Exactly. Oh and God. which ones are, do you want to share? <sighs> which of those selves do you want to put on stage? The one that's crying, probably. <laughs> that one needs the most love. You know what? It's funny. I remember I was in New York and uh, Chappelle's show was on at the yes. time. It was like there was nothing that was like like it. Yeah. And everyone was talking about obviously everyone was talking about Chappelle and uh, I was hanging out with a group of people. Were you doing comedy at the time? I was doing comedy. Oh yeah. damn! And, How long have you been um, doing it? Seventeen, almost seventeen years. Fuck yeah! So wait, what's this? Two thousand seventeen? Yeah. So two thousand. Se- um, <laughs> sixteen years. It'll be seventeen years next, next year. summer. Okay. Right. So sixteen and a half. <laughs> yeah. Whatevs. But uh, <laughs> I was hanging out with some comics and, and there were people who were not comics that were with us. And there was this British dude. And we were all talking about Chappelle and like what a, a genius he is or whatever, right? And this British dude was like, I'm sorry, who, who are you talking about? <gasps> like um, Dave Chappelle. He's like, same Chappelle. You guys think he's funny? And we're like, I literally stopped. I was oh, like, yeah, I think he's he might be one of the funniest comedians of all time. He's like, 
Interesting. I, uh, ten years ago, I went to see a show with the Comedy Cellar, and he just um, he sat on stage and he cried for like ten minutes. Oh my god! He's like in the fetal position, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" He cried, and that's the only time this guy ever saw Dave Chappelle. So that's his Dave Chappelle. And he's like, "Oh, I guess this guy is the crying in the fetal position comic. That must be his gimmick." The, oh my and he's god! Huge, and that's just in this guy's man. This yeah. man's mind. He's like, "What's bad, wrong with everyone?" That was my worst British accent, by the way. It's it was. I would never have known. The British eight. people know. I have eight. <laughs> I have eight. Do you have like a Cockney, like a? Yeah, <laughs> it's basically like you're vomiting vowels. Yeah, well, that's just so interesting to think someone could see you do a bad set and then for the rest of your life, that's who you are to them. That they're like, she's terrible, yeah. he's terrible. The difference is that now people will put it on YouTube. I know. If you have a bad comic set, cries. Like, comic cries, major comic Ooh. fail. Loser baby comedian <laughs> cries on stage. That's loser baby gets heckled by his own feelings. <laughs> whatever my biggest fear is that my like the biggest thing i'll ever do is like a video of me like sobbing on stage will go viral (laughs) i mean because it's bound to happen then you're then you're uh then you're 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 just gotta ride that wave sobert lopez i got sober lopez sobert sobert i'm thinking trying to think sobby i was trying to think of oh i was trying to think of a of a robert or a bob that's like a comic oh yeah i was trying to get the bob kelly sob saget but yeah there you go sob saget (laughs) Sabi Kelly, there you go. Sabi Kelly, oh, um, what a nightmare. Anyway, well, I feel like you're whatever lack of a specific brand you think you have. You really f- do. You feel like you? I feel like your career is going really well. Um, well, I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, to be inside it is still like a, um, I guess a tornado in some sort of way. Yeah, where it's like still like a whirlwind and and. I mean, like I, I, you know, the honest truth is that I, I fortunately have a lot of things going on. Yeah. W- what my question is, is, can I actually balance all of these things? I mean, that's the next thing where it's like I spent so much time worrying about getting to this place, and now you're like, how do, how like, do I oh, fucking I'm do here, all this? So yeah, I gotta, I gotta juggle all these things, and I'm trying to get back to that skill set. Yeah. Because the thing is that this, this, um, the feeling of anxiety of the stakes being so high. Yeah. Does not help you in any no, sort of way. I get overwhelmed with what I'm doing, and it's all like self-produced things, and no one is relying on me but me. Well, these are self-produced. Like that's what I've done. Yeah, I've taken self-produced things and tried to turn them into other things. But now it's like people are depending on me, and you're like, ah. which is what I wanted. Yeah, it's what I asked for. But now I'm like, ah. I can't get. Uh, I'm trying not to let that letting others down being a disappointment. So you kind of just have to like keep putting one foot in front of the other and Basically. not think about like, can I do this? Can I do that? It's like you just keep moving. Yeah, you know, do you know Phoebe Robinson at all? I know who she is. I yeah. haven't met her yet, but she's seems amazing. Well, she's, you know, she's one of my closest friends and we were talking about, um, it was a couple of years ago, you know, she's a person who's made all of her own shit too. Yeah. Like everything it. that she has going on is literally like her... People not wanting to book her, auditioning not going well, looking at her bank account, you know, like, yeah. what the hell am I supposed to do? And just literally inventing things uh, and being discouraged along the way. Because yes. they're being like, that's not funny, you're stupid or whatever. Yeah. And turning it into this thing. And I remember years ago, I was talking about, she was talking about the, the, that thing of like, I guess there's this idea that like a career or your trajectory as a comic or performer or whatever, like there's this natural ladder yeah which is insane well sometimes i feel like people feel like there's this natural ladder and they've been knocked off it 
<laughs> and if they could just do the right thing, to get, get the right spot, or get the right exposure, then they'll be entered back into, into the ladder. The ladder and the natural progression of not having to worry about it so much will just happen at some point. It doesn't exist. Which is insane to me. Yeah, no, it's just... I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than like a complete tornado train wreck. And it's like... <laughs> It, like the tornado comes for that house and it misses that house and maybe it'll hit you. And then and then one day you realize that you've been standing in this for 20 years. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I know how to avoid that tornado. Yeah. I actually can predict the movements of this tornado. Yes, I know everything. <laughs> to the seller, the comedy seller that art. Um, <laughs> to the seller. Well, it's just kind of like, you know, I was saying to her that like, she, you, you keep gaining all these skill sets. Yeah. And you don't know. You're a problem solver. Yeah. You are a writer. Then suddenly, like, because all these people get picked out of nowhere, right? Yes. But then their careers fizzle out. Of course. And when they get picked, guess what they need? Writers. Writers. They need people with ideas. Yeah, they need help. They need help. (laughs) Yeah. And so suddenly you have done this and you're like, okay, I've done this for three years. That's not working. And then you do this other thing for three years and that's not working. And then you do this other thing for three years and that's not working. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, I know how to do three completely different things. Yes. What if I put them all together? And then suddenly it's not that you're starting out at each of these things. It's that you actually know how to do those things. Yeah. So now you've got this monster machine that you can create. And then you just have to figure out how to steer it. Yeah. And not, Fucking lose your mind and crash. Not lose your mind and crash. Yeah, exactly. It is cool how much uh, it, a lot of things seem to be in the hands of the creator now. Like you can, it's still like a crapshoot. Will you find your audience? You mean but like, you as the creator? Yeah. It's like, oh, is this like, you mean the hands of the creator? Oh, yeah. Be. Oh, no. That you, guy, where is he? You know, <laughs> like, hey, are you even there? No, He's but it, chilling. it's like, I feel like if you're creating and constantly like working on your voice and putting stuff out, you can find your audience. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of nice to know that you don't necessarily have to rely on this like man behind the curtain industry. Well, and I feel like that's... Keep that's, doing what you're doing. And that's sort of like what I want to say the kind of the streaming age has brought. Yeah. Is that all of these sort of old ideas that this industry has been standing on for so long are Sitcoms. kind of crumbling apart. <laughs> Yeah. And, oh, sitcoms, yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right, because it's kind of like, I don't feel like the multicam sitcom is like a dead art form. Yeah, which in like, a lot of ways. sucks because it seems like it's so easy to write now that I'm in this. But like, it almost seems like people realize when other content came out, it's like, oh, we've been being pandered to and they thought we were stupid. Because it's just like, oh, my fat husband. <laughs> and Well, they go broad because they want to get they want an audience to laugh. Yeah. So they go broad instead of, instead of specific. Yeah, because they're like, we don't want to reach a niche. We want Coca Cola the to put their ads group here. Of people because the more people you have, the the more you can charge Coke for those ads. Yeah, exactly. But if you're not the person who is trying to sell Coke, yeah, like if people aren't going to buy Coke from you, yeah, which is what they are looking for. Yeah. Then you have to find the people that are going to buy LaCroix from you. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> or going to buy, or going to look at you and be like, thank goodness it's December, Fanta Claus is here, or whatever. Fanta Claus? Or That's whatever. amazing. Is that a real thing? No, I just made oh, that Oh, that makes it so much better. Two weeks ago I made that. Fanta <laughs> Claus. Christmas. Uh, I believe in Fanta Claus. Somebody bringing me delicious orange sodas. Um, This has to be commercials we're doing next there year you don't you wanna fanta claus fanta claus and he's um, just beating up the coca-cola santa <laughs> <laughs> fuck you just like in a wrestling bear. match 
Why are you endangered? Sort of situation. Yeah. Save oh, these bears. Where became the spokesperson for Coke? When did they? When did they? I don't know. Are they endangered because of diabetes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> high fructose corn syrup is making yeah, out the glaciers. Killing all the yeah. definitely. Um, uh, it's these it's these methane farts. Oh my god! Probably for real, right? Global warming. Ah, uh, cows. <laughs> it's us and it's the cows. Us and the cows. We're taking it down. We're eating too much cows and then farting their farts for them. Oh my god! Come on, that's probably real conspiracy. I think I gave up red meat. I Did think. you really? I thought I gave up meat, and then today I was halfway through a chicken wrap, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was gonna give up meat," <laughs> but baby steps. I think I'm yeah, trying exactly. Um, well, anyway, I'm just rambling. Um, yeah, where is do there we anything go? that you want to talk about? In I mean, let's talk about specific. your life. You, what about um, it? I mean, I don't know. You're a dad now. I am a dad. Yeah. Um, how's that? How's that cute little baby? Uh, he's the cutest. Um, he is 11 weeks old, <gasps> so he is going to be. I mean. This is, um, what, December? So in January, he'll be three months. He'll be a Oh, man. this is literally the last day of September. Or December. December. The last day, day of 2017. Oh, my God. It's the end of the year, it's you guys. It's the end of the year. Um, it's pretty amazing because I spent a lot of my life believing I did not want to be a parent. Really? You were, um, like, into polyamory and stuff, right? Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily... I know it doesn't. ...mean anything about the parent thing. Uh, yeah, it does. Sinners. Hey. I'm kidding. Um, the polyamory thing, like, I don't want to discourage anybody from doing that or trying that i just think that i wasn't good at it well to me that it's like what it is theoretically i love the idea of like as a an idea mm -hmm. as someone who has so much trouble balancing things fuck off two relationships like more than one person i have to like be emotionally invested in get out of here but see, <laughs> everything that you said applies to monogamy as well. I know. I feel like monogamy, is, theoretically, yeah. sounds like a great idea. Well, because theoretically, you find someone and you magically love each other. For the the problem isn't That's that you the part that the magical is the is the well. Is also, the, the forever problem. thing is like, I I totally think it's possible you could somehow find someone and you grow in a way where you continue to love each other. You, there's ups and downs, but like. You know, 50 years later, you're like, holy fuck, we're still doing this. That's crazy. But because it's this societal idea that you're supposed to find that, mm -hmm. people end up settling and it goes terribly. Well, because nobody, I, I feel like we don't have, it kind of comes back to this industry thing in a sort of a weird way. Yeah. In terms of branding and packaging. Oh, because you're like Loving relationships has been packaged as the hand answer to all of our problems. Yeah for centuries and you know who are the people that wrote all the copy a shitload of addicts oh who are like probably addicted to love too I'm shakespeare Fuck. fucking addict god he would have been like fun to hang out all with, these though. poets all these songwriters oh yeah that's like those are not healthy people so love became the drug that has essentially been sold to us it's the most and then we addictive expect it drug. to just yeah and and love is natural that's the thing love is I think that it's just there. In, see, I, I think that falling in love is really easy. I agree. It, it's which is so weird because people are so afraid of like admitting it, or people do this like I don't want to say anything too early, and it, but also to sound like a complete love addict. I'm always like, why? Why would you wait if you love someone? Why don't you just fucking? We're all gonna die. Tell them you love them. It also wonder. It also <laughs> means I mean to get esoteric. So it's kind of like I look at it like love is really easy. We're literally built to love each other but relationships aren't love but relationships well it depends on if you think that love is a, a verb or a noun 
Like is love something that you oh. put in your pocket? Like you have it, you found it, you got it, I have Here it. Here it is, look at my love. Or is it something that you work at? You're doing. Oh, that's such a... You see what I'm saying? Ah, uh, see, this is what I love talking to you about. <laughs> because the thing is that like you could argue that to love someone is to decide to continuously work on yourself and the relationship that you're in. Ah. It doesn't mean that uh, everything automatically works. That's impossible. Yeah. See, because that's not the case with anything. And that's what I, that's what brings me back to the, the poly- polyamory thing. I don't think that polyamory is any better or worse than monogamy. I think that what the hard part is is that any time that you are emotionally entangled with literally any other person, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Because I don't think that we as a culture, as a society, as a nation, yeah are taught how to think and, and uh, communicate our feelings, how to think about our feelings and how, how to, to communicate, communicate them. Yeah. We do not, we don't have a language. We're, we're, we're obsessed with our feelings, but understand them so little at the same time. Yes. And people don't, there is a big like not saying how you feel this, which I fucking hate. What do you mean? I don't know. I feel like, mm, what am I trying to not say? Not saying what you feel. Not saying, not, I feel like, a lot of people uh, maybe aren't as forthcoming about someone they quote about how they feel with someone they quote love mm-hmm. out of thinking that they'll hurt them mm. by, you know, cause it's not like sunshine and butterflies all the time, but people will be like, Oh, this thing bothers me, but they keep it tucked in cause they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And then it's like, well, yeah, you go crazy eventually. It's a, it's a fear decision, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. Is that you're motivated by fear. Yeah. You're motivated by the fear of not hurting others or not being hurt. Yeah. So if you make decisions from what you don't want all the time. It's a terrible thing to do. It's, that's not, not a really a help a place that's going to help you find what you do want. Yeah. Which, but I think that's so normal. It is. That, because I genuinely think I operate from a place of trying to be a good communicator and I, I definitely have operated from a place of fear for a long time but now I'm I've sort of hit a place where I feel like I'm forthcoming about like this is a thing I want this is a thing I like mm-hmm. like w- with a guy if it's just like yeah I like you what's going on like I'm not gonna be like ooh who knows <laughs> but I feel like being forthcoming mm. because it's not what we're taught because it's sort of like you know if someone asks you how you're doing you just say good and that's it you don't tell them I feel like it's perceived as crazy. Well, you know, it's also, I wonder if, if, if the forthcomingness is also a response to being told or being made to feel like what you want or what you feel is irrelevant. Ooh. Like, I would. Bomb. It's kind of like, <laughs> you. okay, so I believe that um, because of all sorts of crazy work I've done, that essentially everything that we're doing is storytelling. Right. Hmm, If you look look at it like in this sort of way that at all times of the day, we are telling ourselves a story about ourselves or we're telling ourselves a story about the world. Ah. And what these stories are, are based on things that have been done to us. Like past experiences. Past experiences or we've internalized someone else's story, like our parents. Oh, Like a relationship. Um, Like a culture, a society. Yeah. Um, Or something was specifically done to you. So if say you're a child yeah, and you have the kind of parent or you've had a certain a traumatic situation where you were made to feel very stupid. Oh my God. Right? Are you a psychic? <laughs> <laughs> Someone made you feel stupid. Yeah. 
and you wrestled with what that means and then the story that you get come out of is either you're either confirming that or you're denying that yeah. so either you've taken that and you've internalized it as i am stupid and now that's the story you tell so anytime that you're in a situation that is similar to that one yeah when you are when you were left with your own thoughts you're like i'm so stupid your brain's like i'm stupid oh and my you'll, God, that's the whole premise of this podcast the decision you make right <laughs> yeah or i'm not stupid <laughs> and, and that, that's the decision i am not stupid and that'll inform how you make a decision, right? Wow, yeah. But the thing is that you're still reacting to something that's over. Yeah, it's like you're not in this present situation. Because you're, you're still telling the story. Oh, you got to cut those stories. It's And so you could say that a personality is a stack of stories. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. I, uh, I'm i just an asshole. Got back to that. You know yeah. what I mean? That's a story. Yeah. And it's a story that this person uses to give themselves permission yeah. To not address whatever it is that happened. Right. Or not let go of whatever it is that happened for them to not be an asshole. It's just that, well, I've been told this enough that I've accepted it as the truth and there's literally nothing I can do to change it. Yeah. And you just need to watch out. That shit fucks me up. Yeah, it's really fucked up. I mean, it probably fucks us all up, but it's hard to like get out of those patterns of like, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, and like... Well, and then what I have learned from talking to you right now yes, is that it, <laughs> if you try to get out of those patterns, but then you beat yourself up for ever having the patterns. Oh, it's, I mean, I did a Vipassa meditation. I am really working on <laughs> just being in the moment here. But yeah, no, that's like you're, you're piling on. There's this whole idea of not reacting to an emotion when it comes up, mm -hmm. like experience it, but you don't have to be like don't be averse to it but also don't crave it so like it's it goes with like good feelings too you're not supposed to be like more 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 absolutely um and and i talk about these things from the experience of being someone who does those things like yes. i i have i'm a fearful person i make decisions out of fear this is my this is what i mean when i when i'm talking about polyamory i think that like again it works i know I a lot some of people, people are afraid that someone won't commit to them well, I just said that because someone else said it to me. I don't know. know what I, I believe. wonder <laughs> if for me that what I was afraid of is that I well, that I'll be a disappointment. Yeah. That, that I can only hurt people. Oh, because the reason that I because the thing about polyamory, like the reason I was interested in it is because I saw it as a means for people to not get hurt, for there to be open communication. Yes. Like that. It, it demands of you constant constant like vigilant attention to the shit that you are unaware you might be stuck on. Yeah. That is making you jealous or making you needy yes. or making you all these, all these things. And I think it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a good exercise. Yeah. Um, it's a good challenge to address those feelings. Right. Yes. That said, um, <laughs> I think that I was using it to make myself feel bad. Oh, I was I in my internalized story is I can only disappoint people. Yeah. So I'm not so going to. I'm disappointing two people at once. <laughs> That's a banner day for Baron Vaughn. Oh, man. As opposed to one person. Because like I said, the whole reason I wanted to do it or was interested in it is so people w wouldn't get hurt. And then I looked at. And you're like, now I'm just hurting multiple people at the same time. And I was looking at this pattern and I'm like, you know what? Everyone's hearts have been stepped on. Yeah. I stepped on people's hearts. My heart's been stepped on. This is literally the opposite of oh. why I wanted to go into this yeah. or to experiment with this. So 
and it's not that I don't necessarily because I kind of look at polyamory as a state of mind, as a way of thinking, not as like an active. Yeah, some people in think this it's, moment. Some people think it's a sexuality, even. Yeah, you oh, know that's, that's an, people argue that it's an orientation. Interesting. And I don't really know how I feel about that, but I can say that for me, um, like I said, what it interests me in it is the emotional work that it demands of you. Yeah. Right. But it's also like, can't you just do emotional work? Yes, you can. Uh, but you can only get so far by yourself. That's true. You can do a lot of emotional work on yourself, but a lot of the emotional work that we have to do is how it is that we relate to other people. It's so true. So You're you like, can't, you can lock yourself up and read a thousand self-help books, but if you don't try to connect with someone, there's only so far you can get. You have to be able to connect with people. Yeah. We're a social species. Yeah, we need to connect. And every problem we have is because someone betrayed our, if someone broke that connection, someone abused this connection. It's so true. Whether it be a lover or a parent. Yeah. Someone in our lives abused our, the connection that we have. Our connection them. abilities. And it fucked us up in some way. Like, not permanently, but like long term until yeah. you learn to fix it. Maybe you, permanently. Because you put it in your head and you go, <laughs> never again. Or, yeah, you're like, or, I'm, oh. I'm the person that gets abandoned and like people just leave. It's one of those whatever. stories. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you keep replaying that. So when I was working on my stories and like I saw that like maybe that I have been using that to kind of fulfill a self-fulfill a prophecy. Oh, uh, right? yeah. And that I was um, – and then I guess there was almost like a, some sort of perverse pleasure in the fact that it was going so badly. Because then I you, get to know for a fact that I'm right. You like I'm feeding my story that like I hurt people. I hurt people. I guess I'm just a person that hurts people. I guess I just God like, am I addicted to feelings. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, um you ever see that documentary What the Bleep Do We Know? No, but it is on my like I have a list where I just go, best. I'll add it to my list, but it, okay. it's not the it's best not? doc, but it's really interesting. Okay. It's like they're trying to marry they're trying to marry spirituality and quantum physics oh. and neurobiology. Ooh! But there's this one section because my mom watched it because she, I guess, someone told her that it, there was this section on addiction that's really good and really useful. Oh! And she fell asleep, but I watched it. <laughs> um, and she passed out from heroin, but I watched it. No, <laughs> not from heroin, just from sleep. I know. Just from a from just, a, a just hard be funny week for an work. addict. I wasn't making a comment about no, your mother. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. She's a very lovely woman, but she has dealt with addiction stuff. Oh, I was raised by an addict. Oh, me too. So this is one of the by reasons a, I've internalized by a, a lot mentally of mentally ill. Of course, I have b borderline personality right? disorder. This is a high five. On yes. This so, oh, you know what? I just side note, real quick, before I get to this, something I just see this one. I was talking about that punishing yourself over the yeah. That's my biggest problem. Yeah, is when I identify something that I think is a pattern or a story that has been running me. Instead of acknowledging it, you go, you fucking idiot. Exactly. Instead of going like, oh, I was doing this thing and I'm free. I see it. I don't have to do that. Instead, I go, oh shit, well, that's what I was doing? And, you're like, and then I go over every single experience in my life that well, I you think did it. fits. I did a play-by-play. -play. And I go play-by-play. -play -play, I'm like, shit, that's what I did there. That's what I did there. And I just swallow. Oh my it, God. Right? I... I'm so good at wallowing. Well, I mean, we're comics. Can I put that in a special skills section on a resume? Like, ah, uh, just lean in. And this is the the addiction of being a comedian. Yeah. Is that we can get rewarded for feeling our most negative feelings. I know. It's dangerous. We can take these the shittiest things that we feel 
and then a group of strangers will laugh. And we're like, ha ha ha, the thing I want. Yeah, we're like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, Feed exactly. Me. Exactly. Yeah. And then the danger is, uh, who is it? Like Louis Black, I think, said that like, if you think of the different aspects of your personality as slices of a pie, that your comic persona is two or three of those slices really exaggerated. Yeah. And to me, the danger is when a person becomes the filter that they're constantly putting everything through to get jokes. Oh, Because like, we can't turn that shit off. It's hard. And the longer you do comedy, the more blurry that line becomes. Literally every experience is like, how can I turn this into a bit? How can I turn this into a bit? Right. You're like, how can I profit off of this? Exactly. <laughs> how can I make this how can material? I make this art? How can I get a, t- a sweet 30 minutes from going to this place yeah. or dealing with this person? And so it robs us, if you will, of being present. Yeah. Especially because we know we can go get laughs about something later. I can later. take this somewhere. Yeah. So then you're thinking about the future and like how I can... Put it on stage. Uh, exactly. You know what I mean? And so then what happens is you you can become your character and then you just don't see anything from outside like pure, of that lens. Yeah. And now you're looking through the lens of this comedian. Mm, that is dangerous. You know what I mean? Especially because like, imagine someone who's like... Here's a perfect example. This is an example. I've said this before. Uh, a comedian who has 30 minutes of fat jokes. Oh, God. Right? And they're overweight. And then they lose weight. No, never or mind. they're Gone. afraid to lose weight. Yeah, because that's their identity. then they're going to have to lose these jokes. Yeah. And I think about... it's like That's a weird... I don't have anything like I'm afraid to lose because whatever, but... I don't know. I just... I think about that all the time in terms of comedians who are very... Well... Oriented on one specific thing or like especially a physical thing. Yeah, but it also could be like an emotional thing. Yeah. Like it'd be like if your thing is I'm a mess... Then yeah. you're going to live inside that to continue to write material from that place. Yeah, because I have bits on like depression, and then I'm not always depressed, but like I feel like, oh, am I going to keep working on that bit if I'm happy? <laughs> How am I going to keep growing this thing that people seem to like? And this is where I think the interesting shit happens. Uh, these feelings, these contradictions, when you, these questions that you don't have answers to, uh, those are the things that I try to explore. Me too. And those, those, I think that's where the gold really is. Me too. But you do have to like, I feel like suffer through it sometimes. Yeah. Especially because an audience is looking at you like, huh? You're like, no, no, no. It, it, I'll get there. I'll Hang just on. go watch a special instead. I'll just wait for the highlight reel. But I got distracted from some other. Oh yeah. So here's a thing I realized about myself that I punished myself about. Um, is that I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm an empath. <gasps> got you. Same. I, have heard people say that and I didn't know really what it meant. Uh, and I never thought that I was an empath just yeah. because it sounds like a thing that people say, you know, like yeah, I'm like, from Wisconsin and I'm an empath. It's like a trendy. Like it's just a, yes. I'm a Leo. <laughs> but I get that I was raised by an addict. Yes. Who had unpredictable behavior. Yeah. And sometimes I was the focus the, of that the behavior. behavior. Yeah. So I would internalize whatever they thought or felt yes. as if it was my own feeling in order to survive this moment. Yeah. So I'm like, you're a piece of shit. You're right. I am. A-. And I had to believe it. Yeah. To just get to the next thing. To like get through it. And I'm so used to doing that that I don't even know that I. Do you didn't know do you were it. doing it? God, I've always, I've been not always, you know what? I think I maybe didn't realize it for a long time, but I feel like for the last few years I've been so hyper aware that I'm like a sponge. I was like, mm. I've never related to a character more than that 
big monster man in the green mile where he's like he's, I don't know I called him a monster man but like you, you know he Michael like, Clark Duncan may he rest in peace I know but he seemed so large next to those little he's a huge man he was yeah a huge man. like that's what I meant and you're but, a small person but like when he was like soaking up the pain I was like I get it because I feel like I just <laughs> but also I've always felt like have you ever said that on stage that's f- hilarious really oh yeah I'm gonna work it out then I haven't but fuck describing the emotion of what you think it means to be empathetic because people use it as a cute thing no they're like, like I'm no. such an empathetic I'm like no this is a burden and also you feel the person's emotions and well it's the same as like and you can't tell the difference between yours and theirs right? no and also mm-hmm. like it's why I've, d- I've dated people who are depressed and it's really hard for me because intellectually I know that depression doesn't have to do with circumstances I'm sorry Imp- you just made me think of something else but I'm gonna let you finish empathically I'm like ah, I'm sad too and like and the worst is that it's like I'm not and, and this is why sometimes I cut myself off from the news and I remain like actively ignorant which in theory isn't helping because it's like I get so overwhelmed and I'm like, I'm not helping. Me also feeling your pain doesn't help you, by the way, usually. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. me being like, like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you, because when you kind of, when you become the a feeling the, yeah. the, with that person, it doesn't help either of you. Yeah. It's like, get I wish past it, it or transcend it or address it. I wish it was magical. And I, like, if I was sucking someone else's pain out of them by feeling it, it would still suck, but at least I'd, f- I'd be like, well, at least it's helping someone else, which is such a fucking codependent yeah, imp- yeah, empath yeah. thing to say. Like, at least I'm helping you feel good. But that's, I think that's absolutely right on the money. And that you, because you reminded me that uh, my pattern was that I would date women who are angry. Oh. And specifically angry at me. Because I conflate anger and love because that's what I grew up in. Oh. Because my mother was angry. Angry. But my mother also loved me. So yeah. The part of me believed like, well, if a woman is angry with me, she must love me. And if a that's woman loves so interesting. me, she must be angry with me. Yeah. So when I would, I had this pattern of women who, um, and it, then it helps me confirm my, I guess I'm a disappointment I'm a disappoint- story. Right? Yes. So I had this pattern of women who were very angry with me um, couldn't really communicate their anger yeah, and just would be like, you did this and you did this. And then I would take it as I guess I did and just kind of literally become like a child being yelled at again. Oh my gosh. And, that, and I was recreating that over and over and over again. And it took me, I'm only now starting to see it. Yeah. But that's what I had been doing. Isn't that, that's so fascinating. It took me a while to realize, like, I think I equated fighting with love. Mm, yeah, because that means the person cares. Yeah, it's like you fight the hardest with the people you love, and it's like, oh no, I grew in a vol, I grew up in a volatile household where people were just screaming at each other. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, that's not the norm. No, it isn't. But it's like I yell because I care. <laughs> but you don't have any. But you've been taught this means of communication. Yeah, and it it's a it's a it's a motherfucker to try to undo that. Yeah, what? because you don't know how deep it goes, really. And then and then when you start looking, you're like, oh fuck, it's not just like putting neosporin on a cut. This is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. God, and like I'm such a, because I was like my mom was an addict, mentally ill, like alcoholic, but it was very much. I feel like I had the parent role a lot. Like I was that that happens a lot. Yeah. And so the child becomes the parent. I had the same thing. Well, and I've dated a lot of guys who are 
messes. Like, but you get to take care of them. Yeah, and I feel like you mean something. Yes, mm-hmm. but also it affected me in a way that I've dated one or two guys that weren't messes, and I really didn't know how to show I cared for them because I was like, you don't. Oh, I. Wow. You don't need me to fix anything. I don't know what to do with this. Wow, that's. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I guess you could say, uh, or at least I'm realizing that I did the same thing. Yeah, with women who weren't angry. Yeah, and then I just was trying to make them angry. Yeah, I don't know if you, I try to break. If them. you're not angry at me, I don't know that you ca- if if you care. I try to cause them to have problems so I can shove them down the stairs. I'll take care of you. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, people do that. I know people actually oh, do that. Good lord, yeah. I should never have kids. <laughs> well. If you want to make it full circle, Wait, yeah. <laughs> what it is that I have learned from being a parent so far, or what I see to be the work of being a parent, yes, what it can offer me is that it allows me to let go of my own shit because I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. And so the thing is that like having a kid is really makes you go, I am not a child. I cannot. I'm. I'm a grown up now. My childhood is literally over. It's done. Because up until that moment, I'm still dealing with my own child. I'm still trying to figure out my own childhood. Yeah. I'm still essentially living as a child, trying to adjust around these things that happened, like these it's childhood so traumas. So true. We all are. Yeah. So now I get to watch someone else grow up. Yeah. And when he comes to the certain decisions or forks in the road that I came to, I can guide him. A different way than what I did. Yeah. Or I could see, make him, or help him see, like, well, if you go this way, this will happen. If you go this way, this will happen. And just that, here's the thing that I realized. Um, I, I, I've always seen in movies that parents will wake up when their kids wake up and then take them to school. Yeah. And I didn't understand that that really actually happens. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. par- some parents are like, Make their kids breakfast, take them to school. Isn't that insane when that wasn't your norm? And I would see that shit in movies and TV. I'm like, who does? Like, I'm like, clearly this only happens in movies and TV. Yes. Because that didn't happen for me. Yeah. I worked in an office with a bunch of like ladies who were moms and they'd be like, well, I mean, they had kids like in middle school, high school. And they're like, well, you know, I have to get home because the kids are going to be coming home from school. And I'm like, or even, even elementary school. But I was like astounded. Well, you know, I had to make breakfast. And I was like, what? Yeah, and that's a thing that I didn't realize, if you will, was missing is feeling like I'm supported by my parents as opposed to I'm a nuisance. Yes. That where it's me like, being up at 4.30 in the morning to get to school by 7 a.m. was loud. It's like, hey. And shut up. Sh- I got to work in the morning. Work is more important than what you're doing. What you're doing is stopping me from sleeping and uh, yes. you shut the hell up. And I was like, oh, God. So I was just like sneaking around Frantic. in the morning. Scared to make too much noise. What's weird? Like, the, the idea now to me, like thinking about having kids, if, if I like think in terms of my own childhood because I, I that's my worry is like that's your frame of reference even you even if you go absolutely this was wrong this was wrong it's just like am i gonna do it right though or am i gonna like have this pattern but yeah just this like the fact that like yeah no a kid should feel safe at home yeah and i i think and both I, of us are seeing we did not feel safe yeah at home. and it's like oh how i guess it's only sad because i realize there are kids that like f- that's a place of comfort Absolutely. And that's why I think um, I've always been Even okay. Like, like someone going home to like, oh, my parents are selling the house that I grew up in. I'm like, what? You grew up in a house? 
Yeah, no. It's I grew up in apartments. Yeah. Nothing was on the wall. We didn't unpack boxes. That box just became a table. Yes. That's what that is now. That's amazing. And now I'm seeing that like it's that kind of thing where I'm like, oh, like I didn't have that, but I can provide that. But I can be that now. And I can and me seeing that I didn't have that also can help me see what I have left over what? emotionally that's still wrapped around that yeah feeling like i'm a burden or a nuisance or uh, i'm trouble or i'm in the way yeah sort of a thing. you know what i mean i relate to that so much and it makes me sad that you feel that way well good it's empathy it you guys means that you're a human being <laughs> and so am i i start crying but uh <laughs> but this is for you <laughs> you got a towel on your head just, just i do tool, pull, right right you to guys the, right i'm to a professional <laughs> I love that your your headphones are fitting fitting over that towel. I right know now. it's these are good headphones, you guys. Studio Sweden. Hey, Su- Studio Sweden. Studio Sweden dot com. Studio. They're a new brand, Sweden.com. but use the code blast twenty percent off. I love okay. that. Are really are they yeah, a sponsor? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. So get them. They're pretty good. They're like you know, they're not Beats. <laughs> but if you ad. listen to EDM, I love this, I love this ad Sweden has can... way better music. Huh. Well, if you listen to EDM, I don't. But I just also made that up. Oh, okay. But they have, <laughs> they have Sweden, great fish. Sweden has a lot of interesting music, though. They try I feel to sound, like they should. I mean, one of the greatest American hit makers of all time is Swedish. Are you talking about Kanye? I'm talking about Max <laughs> Martin. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know who Max Martin is? Wait, who's Max Martin? Max Martin. He's wrote behind songs a bunch of. For Robin, who is Swedish. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Show Me Love probably was the, <gasps> the song that got him in the uh, States. He wrote. Songs for Backstreet Boys, for NSYNC, for Britney Spears, for Christina Aguilera, for Taylor Swift, for The Weeknd. Oh my God. For Timberlake, for um, uh, Kesha, for. Um, Wake up in the morning. Katy Perry. Like P. Diddy. All these, all these people. This you guys. Dude, Swedish dude. Get these headphones. <laughs> wrote all that music. Ah, oh, Swedish yeah. people are great. They're, they're, they, it's important they, to make blanket statements. They can be good. Yeah. It's like, oh, one was cool. They're all the same. Sweden is having a very American experience right now, where they're kind of being taken over by Nazis again. Oh no! Yeah. I yeah. gotta watch the news. <laughs> I have a friend who is actually a, a, a an ex, if you will, who is Swedish. So I, <laughs> like, I have a friend who watches the news. And I, I who watches the news and occasional just occasional information. Like, oh shit's fucked up, bro. Sweden is fucked, man. Oh my god. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to ask me before we um, before we wrap, wrap up? This Would bad you, boy okay, up. so you're like in the spotlight. I feel like your little your little star is growing. Do you worry about that in terms yeah. of parenting? Yes. Like, do you feel like you want to like shelter your child from? You know the the fame the kind of like I'm not famous, but like I get recognized here and there. My favorite is when I'm in the south and it's a black person because they don't know why they know me. But they're like, That's, oh, have we met before? You work downtown. <laughs> No, I don't live here. Wait, I, wait, wait. You know Jimmy? No, who's Jimmy? Jimmy works downtown. <laughs> I don't live here. Okay, you know Jim. You work downtown. I've seen you. And that's my favorite. <laughs> I'm just like, like in a conversation with someone. That's like every celebrity to me. I think I'm just a person I've met before. Dude, and it's hard. Especially in Hollywood, like these people are around. Especially like these actors like myself who you don't know what their names are. But you've seen them. But you see them all the time. And then you yeah. see them at a coffee shop and you're like, why do I know? Yeah, I saw a guy from the Big Bang Theory, and I'm like, why do I know that? Why do I know that guy with that stupid haircut? Yeah, I saw a guy from Veep recently. Like, He's on Veep and the Mindy Project. I'm like, why, why do I? Why are you familiar to me? Like, have we? Did I? Have a, I'm always like, I don't even think I've partied very hard since I came to LA, but mm. I still have this like, did I meet you drunk at a party somewhere? Mm. Why don't I remember you? I love that. Yeah, you assume because you assume that like 
they saw you at your worst behavior. Yeah, and, I'm like, and that's oh. why I remember you. You put me in a cab when I was a mess, You're right? Like, no, no, no. I don't know you. Uh, Do you know Jimmy? <laughs> you know, you know Jimmy. <laughs> no, I don't. He works downtown. You know. Jimmy. Um, wait, what the hell were we talking? About? Oh, having a kid in terms of. Well, you know, um, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it because I, I don't know that I'm famous enough that I am going to be approached by people on yeah. the street all the time. Um, that hasn't happened um, with when I'm with my son, uh, and he's a very small baby. That's the yeah, big reason I'm not going so out. He's so cute, right though. Now. Are you going to like try to shove him in commercials? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't he, gonna. I was not gonna. I was gonna withhold any judgments. But if he wants to do anything like that, that wanting if he to expresses, act. yes, if he expresses interest in that, I'm going to tell him that there is a difference between this industry and acting. Yes. In this industry, you might get to act every now and then. Yeah. Um, but that's not what it's really about. Yes. In general. Um, so, I mean, I guess like it's kind of like I'm still working on all the stuff that I'm working on. And I, I, you know, impending fame feels like a death sentence to me in some no, sort of way. I, Does that I, make sense? I, oh, it makes so much sense to me. That's terrifying. The only reason I ever really wanted to be famous was so that way I can do the things I want to do. So that you have the power to go, well, now I want to make this thing I want to make. It, people bring me projects. Yes, you and know? you can go, no. Exactly. It says a Next. Baron Vaughn type in the audition notice. Yeah, like Ver- like that. Oh, what a what a sign of making it. it w- that's a sign of making Think it. Think Baron Vaughn. Think Baron Vaughn. It never has happened as Think far as Think Baron I- Vaughn and people are like, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that so means. So many things. Who, who is that? Baron Vaughn what though? Baron Von Trapp. Wrinkle Dick. Um, Rinna uh, Von Wrinkle Dick, the second violin of the sixth grade orchestra. Uh, um, you've lived so many yeah. lives. So, I mean, I guess that, like, because a lot of my family, like, hasn't seen any of my work. So that's, that's, and that's kind of, I, I used to be insulted by it, but then I was like, well, that's fine. Yeah. Because then they're still going to talk to me like I'm me and not somebody else. They don't get, we- yeah, that's yeah. a thing. People will get weird if they will are aware weird. of how much you're doing. Like as someone who's not in the entertainment industry, I feel like they go like, oh, you're a star. Because again, it's mystifying. Yeah. And people don't know how much money you can or can't make. They assume you're, if you do one thing, people assume you're rich. Exactly. Instead of assuming that I am still in student loan debt. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, no. I had to get TV money to almost be out of student loan debt. (laughs) What does that say about the system of student loan debt? so fucked. It's so fucked. Uh, Hopefully that'll change by the time uh, your kid is in college. Oh, who knows if there'll be college by the time Yeah, I know. Or or a world, you know? (laughs) Or a world, exactly. every day's a blessing. I guess since I'm going to release this as like a New Year's episode, Mm -hmm. do you have any... You're a resolutions person. Do you have any like goals for the next year? Any happy thoughts? Any any goals for the next year? I mean, look, I'm working on I'm working on happiness. I'm working on just letting myself feel okay. I mean, it's it's a weird thing, especially because the world is in the situation that it's in. So it's very strange to feel like per, in my personal life things are going really well. It's like you almost feel guilty. But then I look outside and it's like, oh, this is all going to shit. Close the window. Just when I started to feel good <laughs> yeah, about myself. Like, no. Yeah. Typical. Typical. Classic. I start to feel happy, and then Kim Jong Un is like, Trump called me fat. Send the missiles. It's like I can't have one day. I know. Um. So I, I guess the thing is that like because you know honestly also like I feel like when I talk about like how we're obsessed with our feelings we don't know how to talk about them. I, <laughs> I like wonder if people a, can hear this in the background. The people like blowing horns yeah, outside my window. New Year's Eve. Um, I feel like that that's a big problem 
in our culture, in our society, right? Yes. Um, the irony about Trump's presidency is that it's sort of the ugliest feelings or the ugliest things about our country are like coming are like at the top of everyone's consciousness. Yes. It, it's there's a tension unlike I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. I assume this is what the Cold War felt like. Yeah. Or like the 70s when everyone was afraid of freaking like serial killers because it's just like shooting yeah. after shooting after like nowhere feels safe. No. No one feels safe Mm-mm. because people are also killing themselves it seems over what could be argued to be minor slights. Yeah. It it, People are so sensitive. But again, like but whatever that's like, was happening to them emotionally, they were in so much pain that it only took And there's like that was the tipping point. Yeah, it's it like, took this troll. This to, is the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. Because Donald Trump is not only a troll in the sense that he's an internet troll. And but his appearance. I wouldn't have doubted if he appeared under a bridge to a lot of people and yeah. said, let me into the other side. I know. And I promise there will be a wall. <laughs> some sort of, who knows? Some sort of crazy. Just yeah. say my name, Trumpelstiltskin. Trumpelstiltskin. Um, Wait, please tell me. You, you need to make that a bit if it's not. It needs to be a bit. I'll turn it into a bit. Yes, please. Drumpelstiltskin. Drumpelstiltskin. Um, <laughs> so I guess for the upcoming year, it's... I'm going to let myself see what unconditional love is like. Um, and I get to do this with this boy, with this Aww. with this little child. Beautiful who baby. wants nothing from me but to be held. And maybe fed. Um, and no. That's mom's job. And sometimes, well, Give it him sometimes titties. I got a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't um, want to wear one of the man tits? That's one, of her, that's one of her things when she walks in. She's like, guess who's back in the motherfucking house with fat titties for your motherfucking mouth? Oh my God, that's um, amazing. <laughs> that's one of the things that she will say. Um, She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> mine as well. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the thing. It's just kind of like, because look, I also feel like our obsession with answers is weird. Yeah, letting go of the fact that you don't know everything is. I think it's like a tr- beautiful idea. Try to find the right questions as opposed to the right answers. Ooh, I Can really love it? that. Can you dig Can it? You dig Can it? you dig it? Oh shit! I'm gonna continue to try to find the right questions. I love that. In 2018, you're mystical. <laughs> Watch yourself. Show me what you're working with. Oh, different mystical, different mystical. Uh, but same, you know. He's he's mystical, I'm yeah, sure. He's in jail. Well, he's pr- probably spreading a lot of wisdom in there. <laughs> oh, I hope wisdom is what is being spread. Yeah. And, Ooh. All right. That can mean eighty different things. I was thinking butt cheeks, but I'm a bad person. I was thinking <laughs> diseases, but um, all right. Same. I mean, who knows? Not same thing. Who but knows? You, it's jail, so don't drop us up. Okay. I'm gonna. This is problematic. Probably. I panic. Problematic. What? A, that's problematic. Is problematic. Uh, I get I get sensitive to terms when they become terms when they're like become a trend. Yeah, because like it's like it a buzzword. Of, it negates what the purpose of the thing is. Yeah, or it's like we're diluting it, or or we're just using it to bully each other. Yeah, we're just using, we're just it becomes wokeness becomes a weapon that we can beat people over the head that with. It's like, like you ain't woke, and or it's like, like are we point? doing the thing that we're trying to get to not do? Is exactly. that exactly? I agree. Any um, plugs? Where can people find you? What can they? Where should they see you? Twenty eighteen. All right. Um, at some point in this year, there will be a show on Comedy Central called New Negroes <gasps> with myself. Oh my god! And, and open mic eagle. <laughs> you got really excited. It's a you guys. About it. Oh god. Um, I don't know when, 
but at some point. Um, Watch it, you guys. January 17th is the Comedy Central series Corporate. Yes! Which I am a... I am very proud to be a part of. He's such um, a good part. You guys have seen the first four episodes. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's I'm having Jake insane. on uh, in two weeks after you. And you guys, it's, I get behind so few television shows. <laughs> and I mean, like I have a lot of friends. I'm fortunate. Like I have a lot of friends who are doing a lot of things and I'm like, good job. I am so fucking excited for this show. This is like the future. It's it, it such is, a great show. Yeah, I want to say it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, it's one of the most unique original things I've ever seen. And all the casting is perfect. Uh, you guys, uh, So watch check it. that out. January 17th. January 19th, two days after that. On fire. The fourth season of Grace, Grace and, and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. On Netflix. Really quick. Lily also Tomlin. Also a very funny show. How is she? Lily Tomlin is like my saving grace. She is... Um, fortunately, she is everything that I thought she would be. Uh, She's super down to earth, a sweetheart, m- like makes eye contact with you, talks to you like you're a person. She doesn't walk around. Uh, you, she doesn't walk around going like, I'm Lily Tomlin. Like she totally could if she really wanted like to she, be. She deserves it. Yeah. But she is a human. She stays in this place of humanity and play, if you will. I love Which that. I think is what makes her so damn lovable and has sustained her career. She's actually given me a lot of good insight on how to sustain a career. Uh, I love that so much. She's like one of my heroes. She's the dopest. Do you have, wait, comedy heroes, really quick. Comedy heroes? Um, well, Tomlin actually is one of my comedy heroes. Okay. Um, well, um, Richard Pryor, um, who I still, I consider still one of the greatest of all time. Of course, I mean, um, it's weird to say it like that because in my head I'm like, of course, but I guess there are people who are like, oh, whatever. Well, you know, the thing about- What about Gallagher? The thing about Pryor is that um, I always looked at Pryor and Cosby like they were the opposite sides of a coin. Ooh. Um, the, the thing about Cosby is that he sold himself as the most wholesome person ever and- uh, this entire time he was a monster. He was so. F- it's like at least Pryor was like, "Look, this is who well, I am." Pryor sold himself as a monster, and he, it turns out he's kind of a whole. He was a kind of a wholesome person. Yeah, he's he's a human. He was a human, and he was an addict, and he had a lot of, you know, abuse, trauma stuff that he was trying to figure out. But he was like but a good he person. Was honest and open about it and trying to figure that shit out. Yeah, on stage, which is what made his comedy so beautiful. Exactly, I my, love that he's my. My partner never saw Pryor, and I showed her a special, and she was like, I was like, this is amazing, right? She's like, yeah, but my heart, he's in so much pain. I'm like, yeah, 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 but he's amazing, though, He's right? amazing, yeah. Um, Steve Martin. Um, I love that. Eddie Izzard. Ooh. Um, you know Eddie Izzard at all? Yeah, well, I haven't seen any of his stuff since, like, the cross-dressing special. Um, that's every special of his is the oh, cross dressing special. <laughs> well, I've only seen the one from the like Dress to Kill. Dress to Kill. Okay, yeah. That's ninety eight HBO. Is he always cross dressed? Yes, he's been. He's been. Oh, you know, I guess I just haven't watched anything he, that he, I didn't know if that was. There's a whole thing about being a transvestite and the he difference between a transvestite, a transsexual, and a trans person. Wow. And like all these, all these, he has jokes about that, but that's beside the point. Um, what I like about him is that he is an improv genius in some sort of way. Yeah. Um, he can make very tiny things funny. He plays out these scenes. Uh, and those are the things that I, I kind of in, integrate from his style, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of... Um, okay, I love that. And then, um, you know, I hate to say it, but probably Ellen as well. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah. 
Fucking Ellen. Ellen DeGeneres, I think, is... Um, her stand-up was great. I think that her contribution is yes. more important than I think that people... I mean, people give her credit for, you know, being out, coming people out when she came out. People don't stop and really think about what a difference that has made for so many other people. And it's it, it was huge, especially on a show, like a huge A huge, show. yeah. A huge show. Or like, there were people who are awful and homophobic that were like too bad i liked ellen you know yeah exactly <laughs> My grandma but she, <laughs> but she still has this empire out there yeah and her stand-up i think is um great observational re- and just a really good writer so good and just like the way that she would tie things together and uh that it, you know and she would go for that long joke as well like yeah. a joke upon a joke very layered kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, and that's um, one of the things that I, I guess, integrate from watching her a lot. I watched so much stand-up as a kid, though. Yeah, no, me too. And I don't think, I mean, I think I was so young, some of it I didn't even get. But my mom was, like, big into stand-up. I watched a ton of Carlin. Mm. And then I grew up on, like, like all-black sitcoms. Ha, huh, like what? Like, hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, my God. I was just talking uh, about hanging with Mr. Cooper. Living single. Oh, yeah. Check, oh, my God. Check, remember, check it out. Remember when they, they had the, like, the dial in to see who was going to date? I don't know. There was like. On Living Single? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Oh, my God. There was like all three girls were trying to date. I don't even remember which guy. And you wow. had to dial one nine hundred numbers to vote, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's probably why I didn't dial." I'm like, "Oh, I gotta pay for that." Yeah, Shit. I know. God, and let then, me throw in one other thing that you yes. mentioned: living single, because it made me think of in living color. Yeah, um, in living color, and in living color, in living of color, and SNL are hugely influential. But a big influence, uh, probably one of the biggest influences I've ever had was Robert Townsend. <gasps> Ooh, and not only as a f- filmmaker, but he had this group of specials on HBO in the 80s called Partners in Crime. Oh. And he hosted them. And it would be comics. And you'd see people like, it'd be like Tommy Davidson or David Allen Greer or Sinbad. But then he'd also have musical guests. And then he'd also do s- short films. And it was, it's proto in living color. Oh. Because it's everyone who went on to become in Living Color. That's so interesting. I didn't so even you know about see this. All of the Wayneses and David Allen Greer, and then also people like John Witherspoon and Paul Mooney. So he's like bridging the gap of like oh, wow. two comedy generations. And um, those were probably the most influential things to me, more influential to me than Def Comedy Jam in general, because it was before Def Comedy Jam. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, okay. I like that. So we said. January 19th, Grace and Frankie. Any other plugs? Any other things? Uh, Special? S- album? S- sit for now. Sit for now. Sit for now. Sit for now. That's it for now. I sit for now. I'm so sorry to all my UK listeners for my gross impressions. Um, All right. That's great. This has been me and it's Baron Vaughn. And I love you guys. Bye, idiots. Well, there you have it. Baron Vaughn and all of that magic. Uh, Very barren New Year. You guys, happy New Year. Uh, I hope you enjoy your New Year. Please drive safe. Use Uber, use Lyft, stay home, whatever. I will be making vision boards with uh, some of my other podcasty girlfriends. Uh, the lovely Annabelle DeSisto of Adderall and Compliments. I know a lot of you guys are crossover fans from there. Some kittens. Uh, we're, we're doing vision boards and I'm... We're supposed to wear pajamas, but I'm just going to dress like a slut anyway because fuck it. It's 2018 and I don't give a fuck. I'm taking over. That could be the coffee talking. I'll crash very soon. But uh, thanks for listening. Uh, If you like the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it on iTunes, share it with your friends. Everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Um, I got to get ready, so I'm not going to blast all the fucking 
whatever things I usually say, but keep in mind, no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. And uh, you know the rest. The more you ask, the more you learn, the more you know. So keep asking questions so that you can look down on other people who aren't as smart as you are, because that's the point. Thank you for listening. Have a happy new year. You guys, I'm so excited for all of you. I love you all for listening. I truly appreciate you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, what, what comes for all of us in this new year. So uh, onward and into 2018. See you soon, idiots. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.